Hey listeners, welcome to a special episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. Actually, this is the first episode in a five-episode series that I am doing with two very close friends uh, who are uh, important ministry strategy partners with me as we lead the LifeWay Kids team. They are my good friend and yours, who you all know from past episodes of the podcast and in-person encounters with her at training events around the country, Jana Magruder. Jana, welcome. Thank you. Very excited to be here today. And we are joined today by another colleague who this is your first time on the podcast. But I'm a newbie. A newbie. Her name is Stephanie Salvatore. She's the creative director at Lifeway Kids and the co-author, the three of us together, of a brand new book. So the brand new book is, oh, I didn't introduce you, did I? Stephanie Salvatore. Hey, everybody. Hi, Steph. We're so glad to have you. Thanks. So the three of us have authored a new book. You may have heard about this, but you may not have, and you need to. The book is called Flip the Script, Disrupting Tradition for the Sake of the Next Generation. And the three of us have collaborated over the last, oh boy, a year or more Mm -hmm. to pull together the work that has informed this book. And it's really, listeners, all about coming up with uh, a new strategy to help us reach the next generation for Jesus. We, we all are driven by a desire to reach Gen Z and Generation Alpha for Christ, and we're all working hard to do that. The question is, is the work we're working, working? <laughs> and if it's not, do we need to do something new or something different? And so we have invested countless hours hundreds and maybe thousands of hours, many hours, many, many (laughs) into looking at research and talking with church leaders and uh, devising strategy uh, to meet a specific need. And so let's talk a bit about this need that we found, the problem that we have encountered and that our listeners are confronted with. And in large part, that is we are ministering in North America in an increasingly post-Christian culture where worldviews have shifted. Uh, Kids see the world very differently than we did as adults when we were kids. And if we continue to try to use our way of thinking to communicate to them, there may be a miss. So let's talk a little bit about this problem of worldview. What What's the worldview that we have understood, those of us who are adults, and how does the current generation see things differently? So most of us, probably Gen X, boomers, maybe that age and older, we grew up in a world where, you know, for most of us, we tended to have friends who maybe came from a Judeo-Christian background, and we shared kind of these same values or fundamental beliefs about how the world works. And that's just not true anymore now that church attendance is waning. Kids are growing up in a world where those fundamental ideas about how the world works are just different. And how would we articulate what our worldview was? So you mentioned the Judeo-Christian view, you know, kind of uh, assumption that everybody kind of has that same starting point. And really, that was about being good, right? Being good people. Right. That was a common belief that that ultimately is the goal as a human. Uh, That has shifted in recent years, especially with Gen Z starting it. Uh, And I love how Stephanie talks about this because your background is in crew, Campus Crusade, which is sort of the 
uh, one of the thought leaders of how to do that traditional evangelism and talk to people about the idea of good and evil because it's a relatable human dynamic. But things are starting to shift in terms of how the worldview is shaping uh, our teenagers and our kids. Yeah. So if you think about the world as if um, the meaning of life is to be moral or to be good, then you might approach sharing the gospel with someone like that to, to look at. But can you be 100% good? No, you can't. The only way to overcome that sin problem is through the work of Jesus. And so if that is not your foundational worldview to begin with, if it's something completely different, you kind of have to start in a different starting point. Yeah, or, or even how do you define good, mm-hmm. right? Because w- what we had in common in past generations was that there was a general sense in the culture, whether you were a Christian or, or not, of right and wrong. That was a shared value that pretty much everyone had. There are always outliers, right? But we've moved away from a shared sense of what it means to be good to an individualistic perspective on the meaning of life, where it's not about us, but it's about me. And a large part of that for this new generation is the quest is not about uh, being good or doing right, because right becomes relative. What's right for you may not be what's right for me. And so therefore you can have your truth and I can have my truth. Well, we know that that is not, that is not truth. And so how do we speak to truths like that when we come up against a culture who denies the very existence of truth? How do we start that conversation? Yeah, so once right and wrong was defined by almost everyone as something outside of myself. So I discover right and wrong through um, religious teachings, or maybe if you're not a believer, through um, what society says, or maybe through government rules. But now... Right and wrong is only defined within myself. Right and wrong is relative. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the idea of expressive individualism, which we really honed in on in Flip the Script, uh, defines how uh, the next generation really thinks. And that is, uh, it might feel subtle. And uh, we're going to get into some of the hallmarks of what expressive individualism means uh, in the next episode. But you will see, listeners, uh, we're going to get into how you can sort of identify just an everyday subtle messaging from the culture, from movies, and even, dare I say, church messages. Sometimes we don't mean Mm -hmm. to say things that that lean towards that expressive individualism, uh, but it's there. And so we'll get into some of that in the next episode. And what we find, what we can observe is is the message of the secular culture is pervasive and it's persuasive. It's everywhere, right? So these this worldview, which it, to kind of put it in a nutshell, we've moved from a worldview that we have understood in the past of the meaning of life for the purpose is to be good, do good, do right versus wrong to now the summary, the nutshell version of the worldview of the new generation is to find and define myself. And so it becomes very self-oriented and individualistic. And so, Jenna, you mentioned expressive individualism. Why don't we double-click on some of the some of the tenets, some of the under the definition of what that actually means? We don't want to go deep, but the idea that the purpose of of my life is to define myself 
is something that we really need to understand as a starting point. Yeah. So just a quick flyover that would be that um, kids are constantly kind of submerged in this idea that their kind of main meaning in life is to uh, have the freedom to define themselves. And it's not um, they're not going to look to any external source to define themselves. I'm not looking to parents or church or externally to define myself. It all needs to come from within. Um, so, so no one outside the myself has authority to, to define me. Um, and then beyond that, it's not just my job to define myself, but I have to defend the rights of everyone around me to define themselves in whatever they, way that they wish to. And to not judge them for that, right? right? They have the freedom to be whoever they want to be. Yep. So understanding that kids today fundamentally see the meaning of life and the purpose of life and the way that they view the world differently than most leaders is a real problem for us as we try to reach this generation for Jesus. So what, what that would seem to indicate is that the things that we have done in the past may not be as effective as they were in the past and that we need to evaluate how we're engaging kids, how well we're engaging them and what ways we're engaging them and how effectively we're engaging them. And so we say in the beginning of the book, uh, one of the, one of the very first things we talked about is we, as the church, if we're honest, we may be reading from an old script. Right. And that is what informed our title, flip the script. And so in the book, we get into what are the ways that we as ministry leaders can flip the script on our ministry models. So what has worked for a really long time in the way that the three of us grew up and, and many of you listeners uh, was uh, the, the assumption that most kids are coming to church with, if not coming from a, uh, a Christian family, even as a visitor or something, there at least was some understanding of what the church was, what the church was for maybe what a Bible is and, um, and the idea of God. And so those ideas um, were very, um, like we mentioned earlier, uh, a shared common knowledge in our American culture. And so what we've been identifying is uh, the fact that our culture is becoming more and more post-Christian. And I was looking at old emails. You said we've been working on this for uh, a little over a year. Over a year. Is it longer? Oh, yes. Probably two or three years. Conversations started uh, pre-pandemic on doing a project like this because we really wanted to understand sort of a current state of how kids are growing up and uh, how research informs that through uh, church attendance patterns and, and really the secular culture that is so pervasive. And we really kind of thought early on that those areas were mostly defined, like you say, the Northeast and the West, yes. the new uh, churches. And so, uh, and we wrote this book at the beginning thinking about they were the ones in our minds. But I think we would all three agree by the time we finished this project, our culture has moved so fast, it changes so quickly daily. And we've been through so many things, you know, including the pandemic, but a lot of other things, too, that the push to that um, post-Christian culture is invading even the Southeast. And so, really, we're all needing to address that maybe our ministry models need to be reevaluated to see how we can most effectively uh, reach the next generation. 
Absolutely. And so what that means is the assumptions that we may be making may be false assumptions, right? So we, we uh, assume that that child who enters, and you mentioned that child who enters the church who may, have, who may literally have never, ever been to church, may have never, ever held the Bible or had anyone tell them who Jesus is at all. So all the fundamental assumptions that we may in the past have said, okay, well, there's at least a level, but we cannot assume any of that. And so part of what we have done as a part of the work on this book is we've identified a, a spiritual journey pathway for ministry, and we backed up the beginning of that. We'll get to that in another couple episodes mm-hmm. where we'll go in depth on each of these things. Listeners, we're going to give you a 30,000 foot flyover in this episode, and we're going to double click on each of these over the next several episodes. But as we talked about the spiritual journey pathway, Steph, we started uh, with the general assumption that many leaders have is that kids come to church ready to hear what we have to say. And we said, in light of this research and in light of what we're learning about this current generation, we can't assume that they're ready to listen when they walk in the door. Right. We um, we tend to kind of think that they walk in ready for content and we are going to immediately start teaching them and take advantage of every second that they're there to, to kind of disseminate content. Um, so what we're thinking now is we really need to back that up and not assume they walk in the door ready for that kind of barrage of information yeah. that instead we need to focus when they walk in the door on kind of drawing them in, making them feel comfortable, making sure we move them to a place where they're ready to learn before we start teaching. Yeah. So the only assumption that we make is that they are present and in the space. Mm -hmm. Not that they're ready to hear, H-E-A-R, but that they are H-E-R-E, that they're here. And therefore, we need to start even at at a more foundational starting point of building connection and building relationship. Because as we have learned about this generation, we said they, they don't well, they don't trust institutions or denominations or affiliations. They're not looking to leaders. If you have a microphone, it doesn't mean that you're knowledgeable. They don't trust those things. They trust individuals who they come to know and listen to, individual influencers. And so we've learned about the, the generation that there are two really big cultural needs that kids are searching for and seeking out. Right. And those two big things are belonging and identity. Every kid longs to belong and they're looking for a place where they will be seen and heard and accepted and valued and welcomed. And they're searching to define themselves, to understand who they are. And they're looking for answers to, uh, to define their identity. And guys, listeners, is that not the role of the church? That's, that's where we get to, guys, is that the goal of the church is to be a place where every kid is seen and known and valued and wanted, where they are missed when they're gone and when they're noticed and celebrated when they come back. Building that culture of belonging in our ministries is essential to reach this generation because they need to know that we love them. They also, we need to speak content over them that doesn't just tell them, uh, and we want to be careful with this because Every bit of the Bible that we study is extremely important and valuable. There's many ways to study scripture. But as we look to, we need to speak directly to the question of who are you? Who am I? And, and that isn't who do I decide I am. I am who I am because of who God is. And so moving into content that we speak over kids within our churches about their identity, who God has made them, 
why, because of who he is, is crucial. That we, we cannot stay with only foundational Bible stories without making a connection back to knowing who God is and knowing who we are. Sure. And the idea that um, you don't earn the right to belong by understanding your identity or by, um, you know, becoming a believer, but you belong first, that, that you can come here. We are going to welcome you with open arms. Um, we're going to make you feel seen and known, and that will open up a child's heart to hear the truth of the gospel. Yeah, we talk about how kids walk in when we say that they're here, but not, maybe not ready to listen yet. Right. They come in with the shields up, right, with the guards are, on, are, are right. up. And so it's it's when they feel emotionally safe that those walls can come down so that eyes, ears, hearts, and minds are opened to hear what is communicated exactly. in a context of relationship. Right. And, and another thing that I think we need to address as church leaders, and we talk a, a little bit about this in the book, is acknowledging the anxiety crisis. Yeah. And so we can make an assumption almost that Every kid who comes into our church, church members, church kids, visitors, and, visitors yeah, exactly. and unchurched kids, um, struggle with that. Um, and so that is piles on even more of a need for us to make sure that those fundamental needs, psychological safety, are met from the get-go. And so that means it has to be on our radar to be uh, training our volunteers and leaders to make it a goal not to just share the gospel, which we absolutely want to do, but to take a few steps back and make sure that you're building relationships with that child and not just a leader to child, but also fostering friendships for children with each other. Because we know ultimately, if they feel like they're part of the group, um, then that psychological safety uh, happens and occurs. And then, like you said, then listening and understanding can happen in more of a natural way, and we earn the right to share the gospel with them in that kind of environment. So as we talk about this idea of flipping the script, I want to be careful to clarify something. One, we are not talking about changing the script. Right. The gospel is the gospel. Right. There is no compromise that can be made in biblical fidelity. That is something that we must hold to. And every single thing that we ever do as Lifeway Kids, for sure, is going to be trustworthy, faithful, and true, always. So what we're not talking about, listeners, is changing up ministry in this way that is a radical departure. But what we're talking about is an awareness of where we begin that connection with the child so they can actually hear what we have to say. Because how many times do we feel like we're in a room and we're talking at kids, but none of it is hitting? It's bouncing off of them, and it's not sticking or taking root. And, and then we don't see any fruit there. Well, well it, not to say that this is an easy formula that fixes everything, because that's not how it works. But changing our awareness to say, well, maybe what these kids need is they need to trust us. Right, We need to know each other's names and needs and situations. We need to know the kids that we're ministering to genuinely care about their lives and know the names of their pets and what their situation is and what their stresses are, and then not just teach them a lesson that's removed from relationship, but teach them a, a biblical truth in the context of a connected relationship. Sure, and part of that is... Um 
allowing kids into what we're learning ourselves in our own growth. So when when we're teaching, we're sharing, this is how I learned this, see a little bit of who I am, and that builds relationship and trust so kids can see, oh, I see you're learning as well right alongside me. Another way to build relationship and trust that we talk about in the book, and this could be a controversial word. Are you ready? Go for it. Fun. Fun? Yes. I like that word. Yes. So when <laughs> when we can build fun experiences through games and, again, uh, things that foster friendship, uh, then we know that kids are ready to learn and they want to come back and tell their parents to bring them back. And so I think that fun can be a little bit controversial in the world of kids' ministry because sometimes people immediately think that that means we're just about entertainment. Yeah, Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's not really what, what we mean. It's about how do we involve kids in fun so that those relationships happen more naturally. Yeah, I think the question that needs to be clarified for leaders and that we need to make this decision, leaders, you need to make this decision, is what's the ultimate goal of your ministry and what is a tool that gets you there? Fun is not the destination. Fun is not the goal. The goal is the gospel. Right. The goal is every kid feel seen, known, welcome, and wanted, and every kid learns to find their find in place and discover that their identity is in Christ. Mm-hmm. That's bringing them to Jesus so that God can change them from within, fill them with his Holy Spirit. That's the goal. Everything else is how we get there. Right. Fun, though, in kids' ministry, we should not be afraid of the word fun. We, every kids' minister I know is fun. We're fun people. Well, not and all so of them. And so we're not them. most of them. The ones who listen to this <laughs> the podcast are, fun are definitely people. fun people. Look, there's, <laughs> we, we don't need to be afraid of fun, but we need fun needs its place and its purpose. Oh, I'll defend fun. Come on, let's go. <laughs> I think fun is our secret, secret weapon. That is what allows us to move a kid from feeling like an outsider to feeling they're, like they're a part of the group. So yeah. when kids start having fun together, when they're playing a game together, when they're on the same team doing anything, that fun immediately fast-forwards them into assimilating into the group and feeling like they are an insider, a part of things, and that opens up their heart to learn and listen. And it's a key way to help bring down those shields that Mm -hmm. we talked about, right? When I start to relax a little bit, I'm not nervous about being asked a question that I can't answer or recite a verse that I don't know or enter into a time of worship where... I'm uncomfortable because I've never experienced that before. Engaging with some intentional play can help connect me with with friends. Uh, make we always want to. So the I want to touch very quickly on this word flip. So we we use the word flip creatively as an acronym that talks about these four key relationships that we've identified. That every kid needs to have these flip relationships, and in fact, really every person in the church mm-hmm. needs them, including our, ourselves and our leaders. Everyone needs to find a friend. F stands for friend. F is for friend. Mm-hmm. I feel like we need a shirt that, that spells <laughs> this out. We F is for friends. We, when you have a friend, you want to attend. Kids show up when they want to connect. And when they connect, they want to show up. And so we that doesn't happen accidentally. And if we create environments where our uh, the, the style of our experience is sit still face forward, everyone's quiet, hands in your lap and listen, it's very hard to make a connection with anybody. Mm-hmm. So we need to intentionally foster friendships and do things that do, do that. 
The L in flip is for leaders. L is for leaders. Every kid needs a leader who knows their name and their needs and their situations, who knows their story, who knows enough about that child that they can pray for them specifically, that they'll look for them when they're gone and that they'll celebrate them when they come back. We also talk about two others. I is for influencers. And so everyone in your church can be an influencer. That can be older kids. It can be other leaders who are not the one leader for the child in that particular group. It could be a greeter. Everyone, parents of other kids are influencers. Older children uh, in youth who may be helping or serving are influencers. And when kids see influencers interacting with one another, we can model what Christian friendship and relationship with Jesus looks like for them. And then the P is for pastors. And this is one that I want to take a little time to hear from both of you on because it's so essential for preschool kids and student ministry that pastors are not personas on a platform, but that they are people who are known to be real by the kids within our ministries. And so sometimes there's a tendency, Jana, for the kids' ministry to be isolated and mm -hmm. far away from big church, right? even happen during it, so that there is no interaction. And so this uh, engagement with pastors is something that we need to be very intentional about. Absolutely. Even kids who get to go to big church at a certain age, um, I don't think many of them know that the pastor's talking to them. They think that this is just grown-up stuff and I'm going to color my picture or for the parents who, no shame in this, give their kids maybe an iPhone just to, you know, keep them settled. And maybe you're doing a, a Christian app during that time. But the point is, uh, I don't think our kids know that the past. The pastor is their pastor. And so how can we flip the script on that? How can we make sure that kids know that the pastor of the church is a shepherd for their family, is uh, someone who knows their name, who knows their parents' names, is a household name uh, at their home? And so I, th I want to challenge our listeners or encourage our listeners to think of ways to involve your pastor in what you do. And so I'm sure that there's some interaction. Maybe he gives a message at uh, Decision Day on VBS, or maybe he is um, at Family Night or things like that. But how can we just more naturally in the everyday rhythms through the church uh, calendar involve our pastors in some capacity? I think it makes a big difference. And it can be as simple as we invite that pastor to come in, not to even have to teach the lesson in kids, but maybe we have them come in one week and we just do a quick interview. Do you have a dog? What's your favorite cereal? What, you know, what do you like? What TV show do you like? And we can add, what were you like when you were nine? And by allowing our kids to see our pastors as people mm -hmm. builds a relational connection here again, because listening comes in a context of relationship. Yeah. So my pastors have been such a great model for this in the last two years. Uh, there was a day when our worship pastor came in, got down on the floor with the kindergartners and colored and made crafts for 20 minutes because he just happened to have a 20-minute break in the middle of the morning. Um, we've had our teaching pastors uh, serve as silly characters in our intro videos, and it just makes them real to the kids. So now the kids see them in the hallway and say, you know, oh, that's Lumberjack Joe. <laughs> Um, and, and they become real human and, and um, relational with them. And so the idea here would be that pastors need to not be strangers in the kids and student areas. Pastors need to be 
seen and known and heard. Uh, and, and they also need to see and know and hear. So see and be seen, hear and be heard, know and be known within our spaces. And so that will probably not happen accidentally unless we as kids and student leaders make an invitation. And so the key there is for us to look for opportunities to invite them to come in. It can be easy for us to say, well, they don't want to come in. But if we've never invited them right. and if we don't make it easy for them mm -hmm. or communicate the value of this, mm -hmm. that's on us. And so what we found is a, as a part of this whole ministry, philosophy, methodology, strategy that we're unpacking in the Flip the Script book, part of that is a key involvement of these four relationships of friends, leaders, influencers, and pastors. Now, another significant thing uh, that let's touch on this, and then in future episodes, we'll unpack all the things in more, in more depth uh, as we go. But this model that we're talking about, although we've created it from a standpoint of our area of influence and expertise in serving the next generation for next-gen ministry, preschool kids and student leaders, this is really a strategy that extends beyond the kids and student areas. This is a, some, this is a need, uh, and it could be a, a philosophy and strategy that really needs to be evaluated and considered by the whole church. Absolutely. I think that all of these models that uh, we've created in the book uh, could apply to parents as well. And so every parent needs a friend. Yeah. Every parent needs to a be leader. known by a leader yeah. and, and other influencers in the church and, of course, pastors. So how can we model that um, in kids' ministry and expand that to the whole church? Um, not to scare you listeners, but I think, we think, that uh, the most strategic position at church could be your seat. No pressure there. But think about how many, uh, how, what the percentage of how many members of the church or people of the church you influence from your seat. And it's a lot. And so we get into that in the, at the end of the book to talk about how can we as ministry leaders influence the whole church in uh, belonging, identity, and, and these relationships. Flip the Script is the name of the book. We will unpack it over the next several episodes here on the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. Listeners, we want to make it easy for you to get your hands on this content. Uh, this book, authored by Jana McGreeter, Stephanie Salvatore, and myself, we are so excited that it is finally available, and we want to get it in your hands. Uh, if you would like a Beautiful. And I have to comment on the physical book itself is so beautiful. Yes. Uh, Stephanie, I'm looking at you, even though listeners can't see me looking at you. I'm looking at you because Stephanie is our creative director, designed this book, and it is so beautiful. It feels great in the hand. It's colorful. It's packed with infographics and beautiful design and layout that helps make all of this rich content really approachable and accessible. Mm -hmm. This is a book that if you are the leader at your church, you need to have a copy of this physical book on your shelf. Absolutely. So go get this book. Uh, by the way, we have other books that we've created in the past that are similar. Um, Nothing Less is a book, Jana, that we wrote as a team that you authored uh, a couple years ago now that talks about how really there's nothing less than a whole Bible makes a whole Christian. And so that book, Nothing Less, is about the importance of scripture, but really it's a survey that tells about things that uh, are childhood indicators of spiritual maturity in adults. That book, uh, nothing less, is in this series. And then there's another one, 
that is called It's Worth It, which is a book of research that our team pulled together. Landry Holmes authored that book about the importance of VBS as a strategy for the church, how VBS is hard, but statistics show ministry results indicate that it's worth it. We should not give up on VBS. And new in this series, mostly because of the trim and the shape and the size and the idea that it's ministry research or research and ministry strategy is flip the script. And so all three of these books are phenomenal. Listeners, if you'd like to find the physical copies, the easiest place to go is lifeway.com slash kids, lifeway.com slash kids. And you'll find links to all three of these books right there on that landing page. It's also where you can find our blog and podcast so you can find archived episodes and all kinds of great things in there. So you can go there, lifeway.com slash kids to find all three books and order yourself a beautiful copy of this physical book. But we want to do more than that. We want to do more than that for you as a listener of this episode and anyone else that you share this episode with. <laughs> we want to offer you a free, free yes. digital that F-R-E-E, mean an acronym for free. That's a f- <laughs> Not everything can be an acronym. Really read every something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is an acronym. It has to be. A free version of this, the ebook that you can get and that we would love for you to share this URL with all your friends so they can go get a copy too. Please have each person go and get their own. The URL to get your free electronic version of this book of Flip the Script is lifeway.com slash flip the script download. Lifeway.com slash flip the script download. When you go to that page, you'll find a custom landing page where you can fill out a little tiny bit of information about who you are. Uh, and then you will get access to immediately download the ebook. So you can get this in your hands immediately. This is a great resource, guys, that you need to see what's in here. We would love for you to use this with your teams. There are many teams already who have let us know that they've gotten the book and that they are discussing this as teams. Yes, and I agree. You kind of need both. You want it on your shelf. Uh, It's also meant to be an easy give to your senior pastor, to your student pastor that you work with closely, hopefully, uh, because this is written for with them in mind as well. So it's an accessible research book. Most research books are chapter books with just black and white words. Um, But this, like you said, is so beautifully designed with uh, constructs that we've developed as a team. And Stephanie has been a part of that development and also designed uh, all of them. Uh, It has beautiful photographs and it's just a great, we sometimes call it a little coffee table book. If you have a coffee table in your office, it could go there. If not, it could go on your desk or your bookshelf. But you also need the digital uh, copy because here's the best part. We have already given you um, permission to use the images. And so you can create your own slideshow if you want to do training or um, or send it to uh, parents. The only thing that it doesn't allow you to do is post it on social media. But uh, I, I feel like the PDF version of this will, will be able to um, help you in your training. And we would love it, appreciate it if when you do that, yeah, go ahead, take your screenshots, pull these things out, share them with families. Uh, what we would love is if you would uh, cite that this came from the, flip yes. the script book by, Lifeway from Lifeway Kids, Kids yes. so other people can find it. And if you would share that URL, lifeway.com slash flip the script download, mm-hmm. uh, even as you present this content and information to families and other leaders in your church. Yes, yes, yes. All of this, listeners, we, we did not do this research merely out of interest. 
we, because it's interesting information, although it really is, and it would have been worth it, it's worth it just to do that. But we, we did this research and compiled this strategy to inform a new resource. So as we talked about Flip the Script and all the content in this series that is so important to us, there is a brand new resource that the LifeWay Kids team has built in his building that will be ready this fall. Fall, uh, or coming in um, September. September, available in July. July 1st is available for sale, yes. And that resource is called Hi-Fi. Hi-Fi, H-Y-F-I. You can find sample sessions of the Hi-Fi curriculum, which was informed directly by the content and the strategy and the philosophy of reaching the next generation, outlined in Flip the Script, at myhifi.com, M-Y-H-Y-F-I.com. You can find sample sessions for preschool kids and students there. You will find a lot of the things that we're talking about explained there and more information about the resource, Hi-Fi, which is written uh, based on all the content in Flip the Script. So go get your free ebook. Go find your free samples of the Hi-Fi curriculum. Get yourself that beautiful copy of the physical book for your shelf and your desk. And that's probably enough homework for the week. Yes. Yeah. Stephanie Salvatore, Jana Magruder, thank you guys for being here today. Thanks. Can't wait to see you next time. And listeners, thank you for listening to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast.